Welcome to another episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast with Nathan Shooter. To discover more insightful episodes, blogs, videos, and resources, visit nathanshooter.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the channel. So glad you've chosen to join me on today's episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast. My name's Nathan, and in this series of blogs and videos and podcasts, it's my job to, together with you, unpack and discover the simple ways that we can create significant outcomes, regardless of what area of life that might be in, whether it's business or personal. I really strongly believe that overthinking leads to underachievement, and that's something that we need to avoid. So today's guest is gonna help us do that in the area of communication. So regardless of the sphere of life we find ourselves in, whether it's school or work or family, we all in some way are a communicator. So this episode is dedicated to the mindset of a communicator. And there's nobody more qualified to do this than today's international guest, Rob Salisbury. And recently I was in Singapore for a conference and I spent some time with Rob to discover and unpack the mindset of a communicator, things to consider, how do they think, where do they go to get inspiration. Then on future episodes, we're gonna be taking a more practical look at the how-tos of being an effective communicator. But before we jump in and welcome today's guest, I wanted to remind you, you can go and check out nathanshooter.com, heaps of free resources there, and also go and visit the online store where you'll find Lifting the Lid on Quiet Achievers. So this was a book that I contributed a chapter to, and I wanted to make sure that as many people get it, so I'm gonna give you free delivery to anywhere you are. All right, so let's jump into my conversation with Rob Salisbury. Hey, Nathan, great to be with you here in Singapore, bud. Awesome. So Rob Salisbury is the man when it comes to um, being a business person, but also helping others to become more effective speakers. And he's a trainer and he's um, taught and spoken in over 25 countries. And he's a man who's not only um, just trained people how to do it, he's actually done it himself. So can we get you just to fill in um, the, the gaps on um, perhaps people who don't know you? Um, tell us who is Rob Salisbury? <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Nathan. I appreciate that. Well, my parents would probably like to know that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was very fortunate to be raised in California during the Ronald Reagan administration. Uh, he was governor of my state when I was coming up in high school and university. And when I graduated, he became president. And the thing I loved about Ronald Reagan was a straight shooter, great communicator, obviously an actor, but is also the president of so many things. And uh, Ronald Reagan, you know, he was running basically California, which is a, a, a state that's bigger than the country of Canada by volume of people. And um, if, if California was a country back then, it would have been the, been the fifth most productive and profitable country in the planet. And so I was really around a great environment, you know, Northern California, San Francisco. And what I learned right away from my parents was to be attentive, uh, be quite, how do you say, uh, curious about what's going on in the world. And I quickly wanted to get out of my little hometown, which is a great place to grow up, but also see the world as quick as possible. And I got some great opportunities, got to go to university, and, uh, and, and quickly found that you know the world was a much bigger place in California, uh, the United States, obviously Canada being north to us and South Mexico. So traveling at a young age was a great education. And it wasn't long before uh, I found that my university degree in accounting, while making me an income, wasn't providing me a great option for the future. I really was interested in doing well. So I joined a firm quickly out of university that uh, was in the IT field 
And right away, I was working in government sectors, on Air Force uh, bases, in Army uh, situations. I got to meet uh, General Schwarzkopf when he was a two-star general in the early 80s. Awesome. That was awesome, because years later, he was a speaker on a program in Australia in 1997 called Masters of Business, and he was a four-star general and retired after being (laughs) Desert Storm commander. So uh, really, a lot of opportunities came my way. And as a person, I've always been curious of what makes people tick. I've always been interested in how business works. And over the years, been around a lot of great people who've helped me do very, very well and go international. I've been doing this now for 30 years overseas. Amazing. And I think what I'm hearing from you is two things. It's curiosity and communication. Here. So we're right now sitting in a beautiful apartment looking over Singapore. And um, the whole reason we're here is about communication. And so that's why I was so delighted when you accepted the invitation to do this episode is that I guess as a communication master, there's a lot we can learn um, from people like yourself mm. about how we can communicate better. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself geographically, it's a, it's a need that will never go away. Mm-hmm. And so with yourself, you had, in our pre-interview chat, you were talking about how you were in the marketing space, but you saw this opportunity to help people who are um, you know, front and center to communicate better and to get them out there. But that is also um, relevant of ourselves, people who are not on stage. Mm. So what are the, let's just start with the problems. What are some of the biggest communication problems <laughs> that you see with our leaders or even just people who um, lead us in the smaller context? What are the biggest problems you see? Look, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a marathon question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I hope your listeners can bear with me on my perspective on it. Well, we've got two ears and, and one mouth for a reason. And I think what I've found over the years in terms of business, and we'll call this back to business, whether you're an SME, a solo operator, or running a huge organization, and I worked for a massive uh, US firm back in my 20s, so I got the opportunity to see some really cool things at a really senior level and work with some great leaders, both military-wise and also very specific in terms of people who had degrees from you know, Wharton or uh, you know, New York University, some, some very smart people, MBAs, PhDs. But what I found was in listening to and being around the people who, I was following was they had very specific tracks, very specific focus, and also outcomes. And when you're in sales or marketing, obviously the green lights of any business, you're trying to create cash flow and opportunities so you can actually take care of the other people who are actually in the business itself. Uh, Obviously raising capital from IP, things of that nature, getting these uh, investors coming across. Very, very important to have that vision. And we've all seen that over the years with Steve Jobs and of course uh, the Bill Gates. Matter of fact, I saw Bill Gates speak for the very first time in Australia in 1994 at the Opera House. That would have been an amazing opportunity. (laughs) He wasn't the best speaker, I must admit. But you kind of, you don't mind because Bill Gates back in those days was just doing some amazing things with Microsoft launching it. And uh, you, you don't mind that he's not a great speaker, but he's an Because effect- of who the man is. He's the personality. And exactly. And he was all over it and did a great job taking questions from some very tough journalists, I might add. Mm-hmm. But getting back to your point, communication is, is an art form. And uh, you know we've seen people do it very, very well in schools, young children getting taught by teachers. Uh, we see it across our churches and in spiritual realms and things of that nature. Politicians have to communicate every single day. Uh, it's very, very challenging times. And I believe that if people can try and park their ego and really get down to the brass tacks of knowing what the other person's needs are or listing what they are, it's going to be a lot easier path. So some of the problems that you, you encounter are, are ego. Hmm. And um, the other thing also is, do you ever find the reverse as well, where people think, 
I have something to communicate, but I don't find it's maybe perhaps worthwhile to others. Do you, do you experience the reverse of ego? Yeah, well, I'm going to actually put another word in there with ego. It's not just the personal ego. It's also the agenda. And we all have uh, certain aspects of what drives us. And if you have an agenda and it's, it's a one-way track and no one else is really going to be quite <laughs> that important, uh, it's oftentimes very damaging to have an individual involved with a situation or a committee or perhaps uh, chambers of commerce that has an agenda and it doesn't fit into the team. You know, one of the things that human resource managers and also MARCOM directors do is they really look to see our new individuals, our new people coming to, to perhaps join the team, can they fit into the culture? Can we attract and retain? In your yeah, well, in your attract, retain, and also in Asia, as you know, you've been up here for a while, I've been up here for quite a few decades. Um, the market's tight, really, really tight. So you have to see who's gonna be able to fit in and, and how can you make it work. And to answer your question more specifically, you've gotta find people who don't necessarily have an agenda but can be on the plan of whatever that company's outcomes are gonna be. How can they fit the team? How can they work together? Are they trainable, teachable, coachable, and can they be mentored up to fill and succeed in the role that they're hopefully being hired for? Very, very important. You know, we were talking earlier and it was such a joy to catch up with you a couple days back and have these light conversations. And here we are, your <laughs> listeners hearing us live. But uh, we we're talking about people being reactive versus proactive. Remember that? Yeah. And I think some of the challenges in small business these days and also solo operators versus SMEs is that so many entrepreneurs and people who are trying to make it out there just aren't prepared for the 80 and 90 hours a week it takes to be really, really proactive and going out there and not slogging their wares or trying to pitch their services, but really being crystal clear on what problem they can solve and how they can go out there and make a big impact and difference locally, regionally, and perhaps nationally if they're so fortunate to have a company that would grow to that, that size. So I guess also part of that is um, your why. Mm. And so when you um, speak, but you also train and you, and you consult as well, what do you go through by way of process to help people to extract that why or to extract that, that motive that would then give them the fuel to go the distance? How do you extract it out of them? Well, uh, people's drives are almost always going to come down to six or seven key things. Uh, it could be the basic, you know, Maslow's... <laughs> <laughs> Maslow. <laughs> I'm thinking about who I'm thinking about, but I can't get his name out really quickly. He's about a thousand years old. But you think about the basic needs like uh, security and uh, peer group acceptance, uh, money, of course, uh, recognition, uh, someone being proud of what you've done. Those basic things are going to drive people at a, at a real variable level. And so the why factor could be one or two or three of those things. Most normally, if you're a person who's really just trying to put food on the table and cover the, the mortgage or take care of the rent, uh, your driver is going to be pure and simply, how much money can I make and, and do I have to have one or two or three jobs? Uh, it's not uncommon to have a person who has, a let's say, a normal job working for a company and then at night perhaps might be doing some uh, ad hoc work as a DJ or mm. maybe working as a bartender and on the weekend perhaps working for a and a market, uh, you know, just to make it work because their driver is not just themselves, but it's to take care of their family. In other words, whatever it takes to get it done. To get it done, exactly. And you might be giving up, you know, <laughs> running marathons. You might not be a, 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 a planet fitness junkie uh, because you just don't have the time. It's purely all about survival. So I think we have to look at what are the outcomes that a person's trying to get accomplished. And if it's survival, well, we know that's just pure and simple. 
What's the money I can make in order to take care of my basics? But if it's not survival it's and it's thrival. Which is the <laughs> next level up on, on Maslow's um, pyramid, which actually we might include in the show notes, notes for people to have uh, a look at. It'd be great to do that because it's really basic psychology 101 from the university days. But, you know, it's important to realize those drivers still are so important. I mean, he discovered those years ago and we still find those to be quite powerful. But if it's thriving, and, and let's say the bases are taken care of, Nathan, the reality is people want to be able to improve their lives and have better things for themselves than perhaps they had as a child or even growing up as a sibling. So communication, absolutely basic 101. And if you don't do it very well, <laughs> I'm not really sure if you're going to do too well in the business world, pure and simple. Yeah, and we see a lot of it um, go so terribly wrong. Mm. And it can, I guess, stem from two things. So column A, it might be clarity of message, like we say, um, whether it's from a, a need or a want or a position of thriving, position of strength and clarity, ah. or whether it's um, serving someone else's purpose. Then the other side of it is perhaps um, our delivery or the method of communicating. Mm. And that's where we talked um, the other day about hard skills and soft skills. So someone who perhaps might self-identify as not a great communicator uh. and they do want to get better as a communicator, where should we start? Oh, geez, there's so many avenues now available that weren't there when I was uh, your age. And I just applaud you for doing what you're doing. I just, it's impressive what you've got going on. I love your audience, love your message, and love the way that you're reaching people. It's cool. Thank you. But podcasting wasn't around, you know, that many years ago as mm. emails weren't 25, 30 years ago. Uh, phones, uh, the generation now, I call it the looking down generation, not because I'm looking down on them, but they're always looking down on their, their phone. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a few of them get whacked by cars or bikes or buses mm. or <laughs> every yeah. day somewhere. It'd be interesting to see the statistics on that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if you're not looking up, it's really, I, I, I can't believe how many people I see driving cars. I look over and, you know, they're on their phone or they're mm. actually watching something driving. It's not a good, smart idea. It's not a good plan. But anyway, it's getting off the message here a little bit. To answer your question more specifically, people uh, people need role, mentor, uh, role models and mm. uh, opportunities, and nowadays, we have so many of those things we can do just right on our uh, on our PCs. You can look at TEDx, great example of 20-minute conversations that can happen from experts, but also in your local community. Every local community would have a chamber of commerce, and there's always someone at a chamber of commerce looking to bring in an expert or someone who's a topic strategist uh, to speak to the members. I was a member many, many years ago, uh, back in the uh, 80s in Seattle, as well as in Scottsdale, Arizona, when I moved to Scottsdale and got a transfer there. And I was a member, and then I became a member of the American Chamber of Commerce. I was asked to join the, uh, the board, and also later on be involved with the British Chamber of Commerce in Asia. And these are opportunities to be around smart, sharp, talented corporate people who are already very, very clear on what they do, or they wouldn't be in their roles at all. And very all. clear on their why. Oh, absolutely, drivers. Um, now, for me, when I, you know, I'm, I work with people like uh, uh, you know, business people and ask them their whys, it comes down to sure, pure and simply, what, what gets you up in the morning besides you know, a cup of coffee <laughs> and, a, <laughs> what, and a thing called alarm clock <laughs> in the old days or on your mobile phone clock. And so you're quite true. The why or the reasons, you've got to identify those. And I think sometimes people have a real challenge in knowing what really is the driver for them, not somebody else's why for them. Mm. And I think there are times where we need to park our why mm. to serve uh, perhaps our upline leaders their why. Mm. And um, that also affects the, the way we communicate. But also moving on from that, you were saying you speak with a lot of business people and they may be 
brilliant at um, what they do. And we spoke the other day about someone being perhaps an amazing artisan, but they're not a great salesperson. Mm. And so you run workshops all around the world. And one of the one of the most uh, amazing things that I find, like it's it's true of myself, but not to perhaps the extent of others, is is the fear of public speaking. Mm. And so you speak here in some of your sessions about eliminating fear nerves and you know mitigating stage fright Mm. so let's just say that we do have to give a presentation um what are some of the things that we can do in our own mind to prepare ourselves bearing in mind that this can be like a small audience in a corporate setting Mm. or a small um organizational meeting um so this is this is a real this is a real um problem for people it is i had the good fortune when i was in my early 20s to see dr uh, or tony buzan uh speak in seattle at a chamber of commerce function and it was the first time I'd actually heard someone make it so clear about mind mapping. And when you're gonna speak, obviously you have the IQ side, which is the intellectual side, then you've got the EQ side, which is the emotional side. And you have to have both sides of this. You've gotta have clarity with your message, but you also have to have some fun. Uh, there's an old saying in our industry, if you're not funny, you're not gonna make any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably rings true. <laughs> and uh, Jim Carrey made, made a lot of money. He made his first $20 million check when he uh, was involved with a movie called The Mask. Actually, he I saw a, a, a blog article saying he wrote, when he first got into acting, you might be familiar with the story yes. where he wrote himself a, a check for however many million dollars and framed it. Yes. Yeah. I, I haven't met the man, but um, no, I heard the story. But uh, back in the early uh, 90s when he was making movies, uh, you know, and he was really quite funny, uh, he realized his audience loved him being crazy. And sometimes you need to be crazy in order to be sane. Mm. And, in this, and he found his avenue and it was all about making people laugh. His pain was actually quite different, but in making other people laugh, he relieved his own pain as well. Because we have this in- internal dialogue which um, talks us out of talking to others. Mm. So when, when you do deal with um, somebody who has stage fright, um, apart from, um, I guess, saying, she'll be right, mate, as we do in Australia, <laughs> what do you tangibly and practically tell them to help them to, to get rid of that stage fright? So Jim Carrey does it with humor. So what yeah, let's talk about business people. Let's get back to the brass tacks. Um, having been involved with Toastmasters a long, long time and professional speakers organizations for a couple decades and being an honorary Rotarian, I've had the good fortune to see some really, really terrific people who are not necessarily speakers or presenters by the very uh, definition, but they're really good, Nathan. They're fantastic communicators. And they really do put uh, the audience first. They mm. understand the reason they're there to speak. And some of the things that they are able to do is they know their content so well that if you were to snap your fingers at two in the morning and wake them up, they'd be able to come right out of bed. They're onto it. Uh, they're, they're right onto their stuff. They know what they're doing. So it's, it's all about what the centric outcome is they're trying to get across. There's some really good presenters, male and female at every level uh, of, of commerce, as well as business, as well as government, who are very, very very good at communicating what they need to communicate in that instance. And it may be a five minute message, it could be a half an hour message, or it could be 45 minutes. Let's talk about environment for a second and being on the platform. Uh, whoever's listening right now, whether it be a mom or a dad or maybe a business person or someone who actually has a running an organization, 
everyone's going to have an opportunity at some point to get up and either make a speech. It might be about a happy birthday party. A happy yeah, birthday it could be message. a wedding or something like could that. could be a wedding, uh, something. Uh, and we all know that alcohol and weddings doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mix, but it's very entertaining for those who aren't drinking. I, I've been asked to MC and host a whole lot of weddings. I don't do weddings. I have for my nieces and nephews on a number of times because I know. But mixing alcohol at weddings, it's already an emotional day for sure. But getting back to the point, um, when you speak, you've got to be quite quite specific on what it is you're trying to get your message across and how to do that. We can PowerPoint people to death, but the reality is TEDx has proved that you can do a lot with just a few slides. And all within 18 minutes. And you need to get it done, just like this. We want to get it done in 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people need to be able to uh, relax themselves, You know, get a good night's sleep the night before, don't have a Red Bull night or a caffeine morning slow your breathing down before you're introduced try to stand up and 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 maybe take five or ten big breaths slow your breathing down uh i i tell westerners who are doing work in asia or uh, in in the uk or perhaps in dubai or south africa or even australia new zealand i tell westerners you know north americans uh, canadians or americans i sell them to speak up and also slow down slow down yeah that's something that i that I have to be conscious of too when I'm speaking with people who aren't, you know, from, from the same place that I was, mm. I'm from. Yeah, it's very, very important. So I, I think the environment where you're going to be at is very, very important. Um, stage fright, one of the things is just not being comfortable with being behind a podium, and some people aren't. Podiums can be a winner, and they can also be a detriment. Some people are just not really good at being behind podiums. They're kind of free thinkers. They're free uh, sort of communicators. And uh, you've got to learn your style that works best for you. And sometimes being having notes in your hands can be detrimental, really, really. Um, you've seen the movie The King's Speech? I have. Yeah, that's a winner for anyone who's listening right now to watch over and over and over because the message that was communicated back in those days was very important to the people. And they wanted to hear a leader who actually could communicate very succinctly. And they knew he had an issue, but could he break through? And thank goodness in history he did. Yeah, and thank goodness that he chose to put in the, the, the tough miles to get through it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I mean, his world is different. His was radio. Mm. Um, but what you're the master of is is being an MC and to read the room. So how... How do we start? How do we read the room? Whether it's a small room, boardroom, or a, a ballroom. Like the other night, you did a, a gala dinner and you were the, the MC for us that evening. So in your mind, what are the inner workings of your mind when it comes to reading the room? Well, it's a good question. I uh, was very fortunate to come from a background in professional sales and marketing, and then I got into training. When you're really, really good at what you do and you become effective at what you do and you win awards, people ask you to train others. And I think training is one of the most important things that people can learn is because you have to learn the competencies around whatever it is you're going to be training. One of the competencies that uh, I looked at many, many years ago was the competency of understanding the environment that people are going to be in, whether it be, you know, like I said, like a wedding, perhaps you're going to be at and making a speech, or if you're going to be at a, a kid's party where you're going to be doing a birthday, you know, announcements, things of that nature, or a chamber commerce event, or perhaps hosting a gala dinner like you mentioned. And the fact is, every room has some specifics about it, and every place has some specifics about it. Location, uh, timing, 
um, environment, i.e. air conditioning, whether it's going to be inside or outside. Lighting plays a big deal. Obviously, music, whether it's going to be pr uh, done through the sound system in the in-house or it's going to be something you're going to have uh, an orchestra or perhaps a jazz quartet outside or an a, a, a DJ. You've got to take all these things into, into uh, practicalities. And there's another thing that you would have seen me do the other night that most people, the guests, are not thinking about. But I was working very closely with the, with the manager on the kitchen and all the deliverables of the entrees and also the hot food coming out and the soups, etc. Because you have to have the fun and the practicalities and the protocols of the event. But if you've got food involved, whether it be a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, or a weekend a feast, you've got to work with the kitchen to make sure things are hitting at the right time. And that's more of a, a hidden thing that we don't think about because it's, it all just kind of happens itself, but it doesn't. So we need to think about the, the practical aspects. And how, is it, how important is it for you to also um, to know about how the, the PA system is going to work? Because this is how you get your most... Um, clear ideas out there so people, people can't hear you down the back yep. you really don't have a chance so what do you do in terms of preparing with stuff like um, the AV team before you platform I get there about an hour and a half before the event happens or oftentimes I'll actually make a phone call before even a days before and I'll try to talk to the people involved with the audio or visual or the production team or the hotels or maybe the, the conference venue. I want to know what that situation is going to be like. You know, it's easy to go on uh, the internet and look at a hotel. You can do that. That's no problem whatsoever. We can do virtual tours of hotels, whether it be in Hong Kong or Singapore or Bangkok or, you know, Dubai. That's not a difficulty. That's, that's pretty easy to do but getting on deck and talking to and working with and asking those AV people you know tell me how you like to work how can I work with you how can you communicate uh, making sure you're on site and whether it's a lapel mics or handheld light handheld mics you've got to really understand the types of tools that you're working with in order to be effective on the on the platform or on the stage yeah that's really great to consider because a lot of us just think that MCs simply waltz up and then just look at the program and keep going so when it comes to the environment, you've mentioned the the built environment, if you uh -huh. like, the physical. And something that I like to do if I'm speaking or, or just presenting even to a small or large group is I find my person. Mm. So I can kind of like look at the body language of everyone, but then I kind of like pick out key people around the room and I use that as a, a bit of a um, way to track okay. how the mood is going. So yeah. do you do that too? Do you kind of like kind of like look at and kind of scout out people who are giving you visual feedback? Well, I have in the past. That's always always helpful. But sometimes, you know, then your barometer or your temperature gauge is off who's in front of you. And while that may be true, you don't realize that perhaps maybe they just got an SMS and their wife just said, I'm having a baby. <laughs> We're <laughs> having a just, baby. Yeah. And you're just, getting the, you're just getting the response off them going, yippee, I'm excited. <laughs> and you think you're doing an amazing job. You think you're doing a great job, <laughs> but you're not. Um, Every, every room is going to have different corners, you know, and uh, I think one of the things that can happen is a speaker or communicator or perhaps a person who's involved with an event, they can get stuck in one spot. And we call it the talking head syndrome, where you're just talking and there's just no life coming out of the person. So as an MC or a host or a person who's doing facilitation or panel moder moderation, um, my, my outcome is to make sure I can make that experience, not only the message gets delivered from whoever's involved, but also the one most important thing, Nathan, and you and I both know this is the intangible, it's how much time do you have to get it done in? Mm. 
time goes by just like it's going to go by for this recording and this time with you right now. And later on, people can ask themselves, you know, did I have the time to listen to the entire thing? You've got to ask yourself, how much time do you really have? Because it's the one thing that you're always going to run out of. And you've got to come in under budget and under time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And really, any time of communication, I see it as a value proposition. Ah. So whether you're presenting in a boardroom and you're, you know, you're on like a 20 minute schedule, to me, this is a an exchange of value. So yes. it's like, I want to make this um, 20 minutes that you're going to spend on me worth your while. It's, mm. a, it's a value proposition. And um, I think also when it comes to uh, more personal conversations in one-on-one, sometimes we forget acknowledgements. So mm. when, when it's a one-on-one or a large auditorium, uh, it's very important to acknowledge. So this guy is the master, Chris Martin from Coldplay. You I know. know. Yeah. He was just up here a couple of weeks ago in Singapore. Uh, three sold out seminars or three sold out conferences. Conf- yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, con- con- concerts. <laughs> concerts. Yeah. concerts. Right. They, were, they were concerts, not conferences. <laughs> but he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's an amazing man. And so I saw him, him in the band in Sydney at this massive arena, tens of thousands of people. And what sent Shivers up my spine was he said, I see you down the back. I see you up in the, you know, the, the cheap seats down the back. I see you on the sides. And so like, I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of, you know, perhaps gimmicky or whatever, but I'm like, no, it's, it's real. He wants people down the back to go, I see you, you know, I value you being here. And he that's says right. little things like, thank you for spending time in, in traffic jams to get here and for the hassle you spend with parking. And I thought, wow, that's an acknowledgement which is completely extra, but he did it. So how it's, important is it? It's major. We talked earlier about the IQ, EQ factor, and obviously this guy's a genius and his band's been together a long time. They've, been, they've known each other for years and years and years and years. And years. Uh, he obviously intellectually knows how to create music. And if you're in the studio, like we are right now, the reality is you can create a sense of belonging. But when you're actually in front of people, they can sense and feel everything that's going on. And the emotional reach out like that is absolutely imperative as a communicator, as an artist, not just an entertainer, but an artist, to take it to a level where he's really talking to the individual who's just scraped everything together to get there, mm-hmm. whatever it's taken, whether they've flown there, bus there, walked there. But he's acknowledging the people who've put the money on the line and paid a, a producer of a music event to get them a ticket and a seat or in the mosh pit and be in front of him. And, and he's doing exactly what the greats have always done. He's acknowledging the very people in front of him who make them a star, their fan base. So how would you do that in your setting? So mm. how would you, you say to someone who isn't as famous as Chris Martin, uh, <laughs> how would we do that ourselves in a, in a small group or, or a large seminar? Um, what are some techniques that we can do to make sure people know that they have been acknowledged and uh, been spoken to? One of the things I do when uh, people are coming in for a conference, I, I, had, I had a couple of weeks ago, I had a national conference that I was involved with for the third straight year. It's their eighth conference, but they had people coming in for every state, and it was in Melbourne, Australia. And I acknowledged straight away the locals who lived in the area, meaning the, the state that we were in. But uh, the next thing I said is I said, I want to acknowledge everyone who's actually driven or flown here or coming here via train. Uh, I'd like to have you stay 
stand up and we'd like to recognize you and thank you for putting the extra effort to come such a long distance for this particular three-day conference. And of course, the number was quite large and, and people loved it because we're now seeing who's local and who's non-local. Which not only helps you acknowledge, but it helps you read the room as well. A hundred percent. And you don't know who they are or where they're at. Sometimes you can look at a list and just names and names and names. But in this pretense, it was people who'd come in from all over the country, this being Australia, this specific event. But in other regards, uh, I remember hosting an event for the uh, the British Chamber of Commerce with a thousand people and people had flown in from 12 different countries. Now, you can't always just say, you know, these things, but what you can do at your table, for example, a table of 10, you can say, would you quickly turn to the people on your table and just say, welcome, so glad to have you here, and thank you for making this a special night. It's just the little things like that that take only a moment. I call it the fun factor or mm. the, the non-fanfare. Now we're gonna have lots of protocols. Every event's gonna have protocols. You cannot have an event that doesn't have protocols, run sheets, agendas, That helps outcomes, them move on and get everything or, done in the right or, time. Or raising money for a charity or perhaps the Olympics or something like that. But you've gotta be able to actually acknowledge the people in the room and they're paying generally big money to be there mm. Mm. that's right okay so then in terms of um, what you see um, as some of the biggest opportunities for people who are presenting their ideas um, what do you think are the best things that they can do to really make sure that their ideas land so we talk about here um, you have um, some seminars on the presenter's voice so yep. how do how do people I guess try to use techniques to help their ideas land so not just we've talked about acknowledging and, and connecting but how do we make sure people have the idea received? Yeah, well, look, in the last couple uh, years, um, blogging has become so important. You can communicate that way. Obviously, LinkedIn, Facebook, these are simple techniques so available nowadays that weren't available in my day and uh, my generation, but we've taken advantage of them in a big way. I've been writing eBooks for many, many years. I've got collaborators on eBooks each year, and we ask our own uh, contributors who are experts in their field to actually write us 600 to 700 word, one page, information on something that's gonna be really, really good for motivating people's minds and inspiring their spirit. Mm. Now, it's not a sales article. It's not about reaching out and trying to get money out of people's hearts or in their wallet, but it's about inspiring them to move forward. And ideas are everywhere. I carry a camera with me all the time because I can't oftentimes write down as quickly as a camera or a mobile phone will snap the photo. Then I'll come back to it and say, man, that's just so cool. Look at how this thing came out. And that will spark a whole other generation of ideas. And you might even think in the moment that idea is good for this context mm. or, or for this particular event. Mm. So I think like you were saying there, it's good to just uh, capture and ingest all the ideas that we have. Yeah. And um, then we can then pick and choose on, on where to spend those ideas. Well, also, I think everyone needs to have their own internal board of directors. Now we hear about this concept board of directors and companies all the time mm. and every company has a board of directors. But what about the directors of the board in your own life where you have ideas and sounding boards of people that you can do things with? I mean, it's just like this right now. Having this podcast is awesome, mm. but it didn't happen by accident. You know, you've got to invest in the time, the money, the ideas and find the fan base plus the technical aspects. So you've gone through lots and lots to get this thing squared away. But I would imagine being with your background, you've done a lot of, you know, looking down what's the best way to get this out and you've got a great title your title is live to accomplish <laughs> how good's that mm. <laughs> and as a writer as a blogger as a communicator you're doing a great job with people right now helping them discover some new ideas and this very conversation could help them to spark ideas on how to move things forward yeah so true so for us listeners i think it's really great thing to allow ourselves to luxuriate in spare time to be able to find those ideas 
and then just kind of like you say rob square them away so that if we are struggling to communicate something we've got this database of really cool succinct ideas that mm. we can draw on because i think sometimes in our workplaces we've been asked to perhaps give a presentation but then we're kind of stuck for anecdotes or or little stories or little cool ideas but there we've got this library ready to go so i'm going to then now ask you in, in wrapping up and i know i value your time <laughs> but here's the mystery question yeah. what question do you wish that people would ask you um i don't know if i don't know if i can actually uh give you the specific answer to that as much as this i'd love to be able to ask people to look at things every day in a very simple way to clearly make it simple most people have a driver's license have a driver's license to go out there and drive and driving isn't a right, it's a privilege. You have to have the privilege of getting your license to be able to drive. But when you're driven, driving, there's a red light, a yellow light, and a green light. Those were put in place about 150 years ago by the U.S. railway system, in fact. And it was adopted by the automobile industry in the early 1900s to help control traffic. Mm. What if we were to take a look at what we're doing and say, hey, there's a red light in my mind. Let me stop doing those things that are really taking things away from me and creating things. What's the yellow cautionary lights in terms of things I can take a look at and should I move ahead or should I pull the lever back a little bit? And what are the green lights? What are the green lights that are really moving me forward? What are the drivers that are really helping out? And I think if I can, if people can do that, Nathan, that I probably would have gotten across a good message today because everyone can lean on some green lights and go full, full, full ahead. But there's a lot of red lights and yellow lights that people need to be aware of. And just as simple things like that can make a, a huge difference. Absolutely. And it's those simple things, as we discussed, mm. that make all the, all the difference. And it's doing less better. Yeah. So with a bit of self-analysis and going through the, the red and the amber and the green lights, yep. we're going to become better, better communicators because we're going to be able to be open to feedback. But then we're going to be able to acknowledge, yeah, actually did that pretty well or, or maybe i could improve in that orange zone so thanks very much and if people want to find out more about you and to, mm. and to fo follow your content where can people find you www.strategicresources.com.au is a great place to go to a lot of our materials there free ebooks they can download of course and uh, always happy to uh, receive emails from people or if they want to send us a linkedin connection no problem whatsoever but it's been such a joy to be with you i love what you're doing i love your audiences listening to what you're doing i'm really really proud of the achievements you've got going on and uh, i look forward to listening to more of your podcasts in the future too thanks nate it's been a pleasure thanks for your time pleasure Hey listeners, I really appreciate you spending time with Rob and I on this episode and it's really great because it shows that you're a person who really does place value on yourself professionally and personally. So as a gift to say thank you, we want to give you a free ebook that Rob has written with over 80 contributing authors that'll really help motivate your mind. So that's a free ebook PDF ready for you to download. So you can go and check it out over at Nathan Shooter dot com slash blog slash 23 and i really do hope that you can create a small yet significant change in your life this week thanks thanks for joining us today to connect with nathan simply visit facebook.com forward slash nathan shooter blog or twitter and instagram using at nathan shooter we also invite you to comment Ask questions and subscribe to the email editions at nathanshooter.com.